Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Keep Birth Wild podcast. In this episode, I chat to Alicia about the births of her six children. Her first three were born in hospital and then she went on to have her next three at home. Alicia grows very big babies, so her most recent baby was over 11 pounds. She was considered high risk for her hospital births and she shares about how positive the transition to private midwifery care was for her. Let's dive right in and I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Yeah, feeling fresh. (laughs) Did you want to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family with the listeners? Yep. Um, I am 38 years old and I live in rural Victoria with my six children and my partner, Michael. Um, We've only lived here for the last two years. We relocated to try and make a you know, better quality of life for our family and so far so good. It's really beautiful here and I don't think you'll ever get me back in the suburbs. <laughs> were you based in Melbourne originally? Yeah, we were in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, so in Berwick. So busy, so many people and you really, you're just a number there. Like, you know, it's really impersonal, everything from down from the schools to everywhere you go, you know, no one really takes that much notice of you like but here we were only here for a week and people were knocking on our door giving us uniform for our children and seeing if you know we were all sorted and we knew about the activities around the area and it was real a real different vibe yeah it's so beautiful especially when you're raising a family to be living in the country yeah and everyone looks out for your kids like you know my my 14 year old and my nine-year-old can go for a walk around the block and I know if they're doing anything wrong I'll know about before they get home so (laughs) yeah so did you and your partner um have plans for when you wanted to start a family or how was so my first baby is from a previous relationship she wasn't planned at all but I knew pretty much you know from my well very early on I didn't actually want kids I just wanted a big farm with lots of dogs <laughs> and then um, once I fell pregnant with Shelby I was actually over the moon and really excited to be a mum. Um, her dad was very unsure about having kids he never saw himself having kids so it was sort of a bit of a tense situation but once she came along it was actually very life-changing for him too um, but unfortunately I sort of wanted more kids and to keep growing our family and he was done so that was pretty much where our relationship started to decline because we had wanted very different things we're still very good friends which is probably good and Shelby's awesome yeah yeah and we've got um you've had six babies so far and are pregnant again so we might just go through the first three births which were hospital births a little bit more quickly and then go yep. into depth more with your home births did you want to um just give a quick kind of rundown of what your first three pregnancies were and how the births panned out and um yeah I guess how how you felt being supported in the hospital system and what that experience was like for you yep so Shelby I had no idea no expectations I read all the sort of books that you read and I really believed that everything the doctors told me was what was best for me I was so lucky to have a non-intervention birth in the hospital as it was. Um, my waters broke the day before a due date. I had meconium in my waters, so they admitted me and were planning to induce me the next morning. Um, I started labouring pretty much as soon as they admitted me and they were like, oh, honey, it's just Braxton Hicks. You'll be okay. We're going to induce you in the morning. And somewhere it got to about maybe 10 o'clock at night, and they came and gave me some Pandine Fortner sleeping tablet and told me to try and go to sleep. I'm all hooked up to monitors, and, like, I was getting some intense contractions, and they wouldn't believe me that it was actually labour because they figured that if it was labour, the whole ward would have known about it. So I just quietly breathed through them, and somewhere around 1 o'clock I buzzed the nurse, and I'm like, look, I really feel like I need to go to the toilet. Can you 
take all these things off me. And she's like, okay. So I went and sat on the toilet and felt like I needed to poo and nothing would come. So I'm back into bed and feeling really uncomfortable and asking for a heat pack and shifting around. And they all went out again, hooked me back to the monitors. And then about half an hour later, I buzzed the midwife again. I'm like, look, I really, there's something wrong. I feel like I need to poo, but nothing's coming out. And she goes, did you check? Has anyone checked to see if you were dilated or anything? I'm like, no. So she did an internal and goes, oh, the head's um, halfway down the birth canal. You're like about to have this baby. And I'm like, what? We better, we better call your partner. I'm like, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? So, well, so he wasn't he wasn't in hospital with No, they you. sent him home. They said I, I was, you know, nowhere near having a baby. Go sleep because she'll be induced at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I was wow. just pretty much put in the bed, given some medication and told to go to sleep. <laughs> oh, my God. How did you feel that you coped with the contractions? Um, and- I, I was naturally just vocalising through it. That was what felt better for me. Um, when they realised that, yeah, I was, um, you know, probably ready to push and they were trying to make me not push until my partner got back there and they offered me gas and it just didn't feel right. It didn't have the same effect for me as as moaning through the contractions so I basically just told them I didn't want it and pretty much as soon as Dave got there she was probably only a few pushes away from being born um I was really really lucky that like you know it was very hands-off considering um she was a decent sized baby she was eight pound nine but I ended up having a postpartum hemorrhage and I think that was partly because it was really surreal. It's like one minute I was pregnant and told I was going to be induced the next morning and the next minute I had this baby on my chest and it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. Um, How quick was that labour? I mean, once they worked out that you're actually in labour. I think they put it down as about six hours. Yeah. But the pushing was a long time. Like I probably pushed for, um, it was probably close to two hours that I pushed for, but it, it felt like a lot shorter to me because a lot of the time they were telling me not to push and my body was just doing its thing anyway. Mm. Um, and that was probably because I was told to lie on my back, you know, still strapped to monitors, couldn't move, couldn't do what I really felt like doing. Yeah. And how was your postpartum time with her? Um, it was okay because I had postpartum hemorrhage. I, um, I had really low iron after that. I was really tired a lot of the time. She was a really clingy baby. So I ended up naturally co-sleeping. Um, we breastfed for about a year and then I weaned her. But um, And everywhere I went, you know, you need to get her to self-settle, you need to do this, you need to do that. So I just ended up stopping telling people what I was doing. Um, then one day I met a lovely lady in one of the young mums group. Um, she ran one of the young mums group in the area I was living at the time. And she goes to me, look, if your baby and you are happy co-sleeping and that's what works for you, she goes, I can guarantee you by the time she's 16, it won't be your bed she wants to sleep in. <laughs> and I thought that was great. And it was so nice to have someone telling me I wasn't endangering my child or, you know, doing the wrong thing, you know, by bed sharing with her. So, mm. And, yeah, at what point did you split up with your partner at the time um, and make that decision? So she was almost two and we, we both decided that it wasn't working um, and we split up and I met Mick probably about six months later, but I'd known Mick for a long time. I'd known him since I was a teenager. Um, so we were probably together a year before I fell pregnant with Charlotte. Yeah, and was that a planned planned pregnancy? Yeah, once kidding? again, not a planned pregnancy, but he was pretty happy he's got two children from a previous relationship and he always said he'd he'd love to have a big family yeah and how was yeah how was that pregnancy and birth that pregnancy was great um it was a really easy pregnancy I think it despite the fact that I was running around after Shelby was almost five by the time Charlotte was born um I felt really healthy and really active and really good and really positive about it and I felt really positive going forward to birth because I thought well Shelby was that easy they didn't even think I was in labour you know like I thought I've got this so um my due date came and went with Charlotte and I was like oh this is really strange like I'd never had experience of going past dates but I knew it was pretty normal 
Um, I was lucky I didn't receive much pressure to be induced or to look at other methods. Um, I went through the same hospital, Dandenong Hospital. Um, but I was over it by the time I got to 40 on weeks and I was feeling pretty big and pretty uncomfortable and pretty over it. And we planned a um, trip to the show with the kids, like Mick's oldest ones and Shelby. And I went to the toilet at the show and I got out and I felt my waters go. And oh, so wow. Next we got a police escort to the hospital and they're like, oh, no, no, no. Don't, it doesn't really look like your waters are gone. Maybe you just wet yourself or... So they were really unsure about what was happening and didn't really give me any peace. And they're like, I'll just go home and come back when you're actually in labour. So we lived about 30 minutes away from the hospital at that stage. Um, so I went home and went to bed. And sure enough, about 2am, I started getting contractions. Um, I stayed home as long as I possibly could because I knew that once I got to hospital, things got a lot more uncomfortable. So I laboured at home for about 12 hours, probably about two or three in the afternoon when I finally said to Nick, oh, this is getting, you know, a bit uncomfortable. I must be getting sort of close. Maybe we should think about heading in. This time I got into the hospital and they did all the checks and everything and they go, oh, we don't think you're in established labour. You're much too smiley and talkative to be in established labour. Um, we'll probably just do all your paperwork and maybe we'll send you home and get you to come back again. And did they... Did they check how dilated you were? No, they didn't. Then? My husband, no. my partner said to them, look, this is how she labours. I've heard stories. He goes, we're not going anywhere to you check to see how dilated she is. And so they did a check and I was eight centimetres. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and I had a less than two hours later. Wow. And did you have another hemorrhage with that birth? Um, no, no, past, no, past, no postpartum <laughs> hemorrhage with her, but I pretty much put her straight to the breast as soon as she was born because um, I did a bit of research about postpartum hemorrhage and I knew that, you know, if I can keep that those oxytocin levels up that I'm more likely to, you know, um, have a better result in that, that aspect. I did have a lot of trouble pushing her out because once again I was on my back um, but it was nowhere near the length of time with Shelby. Um, the reason I was on my back this time is they had a cannula in because I've had a previous postpartum hemorrhage. Okay, yeah. And that, that gave me really restricted movement. Um, and she was 10 pound. Wow, yeah. So that was probably why I had a little bit of trouble pushing her out. Yeah. And it sounds like you did quite a bit of research in both your pregnancies. I did. I was actually ready when I was pregnant with Charlotte to go the home birth route, but because it was mine and Mick's first baby and he was, he'd only had experience of um, preterm births with his other two children, they were both um, four and five weeks pregnant, so he was still very much all hospital safe and hospital mm. was the best place to go. And, yeah. And yeah. Had, you, had you done any birth education classes at um, all? I, I did with Shelby um, and then after, like, when I was pregnant with Shah, I just researched, like, I read everything I could get my hands on, um, more in the sort of, you know, natural and spontaneous way. And I started to realise that the less interaction I had with the medical professions, the less they touched me and, you know, interfered with the birth, the more likely I was to have a good outcome. Yeah. And you went on to have another hospital birth with your third baby. Yeah. How, how did you make that decision and how did um, that pan out? So that time I was, we moved again and I was living about six minutes away from the hospital. Um, Mick was still not 100% on board with home birth and I think the cost was probably a bit of a barrier too. Like, he, you know, he was a bit, I don't understand why we'd have to pay for that when you can go and do that for free in the hospital kind of thing. But this was the birth that made him see my, where I was coming from. Um, I walked in. Uh, with them into Emily's pregnancy with very, very headstrong ideas about what I wanted. I knew this time I didn't want to birth on the table or, or like on the bed. I wanted to be standing up and upright as much as possible and I wanted to listen to my body. Um, her pregnancy, as third pregnancies usually are, um, was a bit of a curveball. I had um, a lot of pre-labour for about three weeks before she was born. And she ended up going um, almost two weeks over. So this is the first one I had a lot of pressure to be induced and 
Um, I was overweight this time, so a lot of pressure, you know, it's not healthy for the baby, you're going to have a big baby, blah, blah. Um, from about 41 weeks, they're like, we need to set an induction date. I'm like, no, not setting an induction date. My body's not broken, it'll give birth when the baby's ready. No, 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 you're going to get too big, you're not going to be able to birth there, blah, blah. So I felt like every time I went to an antenatal appointment, I had to stand up for myself, and it was very exhausting by the end of it. Like I had um, a lot of pelvic pain and stuff with Emily as well, so I was just I was really over it. And by the time 42 weeks came, I was like, I didn't want to walk into that hospital. Like I don't want to listen to them. I don't want to hear, you know, how bad they think I am because I won't consent to an induction. Um, on Saturday morning, I woke up and I was having contractions, and they went all day. I was, uh, I think I was 10 days over or something or 11 days over by this stage. And I sent Mick to work. I said, I'll call you when they get really strong. And by about five o'clock in the afternoon, they were ramping up and quite painful and sort of a lot, clo- lot more similar to when I went to hospital uh, with Charlotte. So I thought, oh, we've got to be pretty close by now. You know, I'm in pain. They're really close together. They're regular. So I got to hospital and they did a check and they're like, oh, you're one, barely one centimetre dilated. You're not having this baby today. Go home. And I was so angry and ropeable and I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I'm too stressed and, you know, nothing's working. And, and the um, midwife says to me, look, just go home and try and relax because I didn't actually even get to speak to a doctor at that time. Oh, yes, I did. Um, the midwife that was on said, you know, just go and relax. She goes, I reckon you'll be back here tonight. And it was nice to have that glimmer of hope that, you know, something was happening. And then just before they discharged me, the obstetrician that I'd seen at the appointment beforehand that was trying to pressure me into an induction basically started telling me if I realised the risks of going so, so past dates and that I might end up with a dead baby. And I'm like, oh, that's a horrible card to pull on someone that's, you know, I just wanted wanted to be in labour and was, you know, so happy that she was almost here. And so yeah, I, and there's so many signs already that she's she's on her way. <laughs> that's it. And so I ended up saying to them, look, on Monday, I said I won't book an induction date, but I'll go for an ultrasound if that will keep you happy, just to show that, you know, everything's okay and you know the percent is still working well and all that. And so they left me alone. Um, went home. And the second I got into that car park, the contraction started and they were like a million times more intense than what had gotten me to the hospital anymore. And I was, and my hubby's like, come on, look, we'll walk back in there. I'm like, no, we're going home. He's like, oh, are you sure? I'm like, we're six minutes away from the hospital. Let me go home. I don't want to be here right now. He's like, okay. So I laboured at home. Um, it was probably till about midnight. I got to the stage where I was pretty sure I was in transition. I was, like, vomiting with contractions and they were, like, coming one on top of the other and he was trying to sleep. And I remember him waking up and saying, you just had two contractions one after another and you vomited. I'm like, yeah, he's like, come on, like, the baby's coming. And so I reluctantly let him take me to the hospital. It was probably close to 1 a.m. by that stage. Um, As soon as I got there, I felt really stressed and I didn't want to go there. I refused to be put in a um, wheelchair. I walked all the way up the flight of stairs into the lab ward and I remember a lady on the reception desk going, oh, the dulcet tones of labour and I shot her a look that probably would have killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, finally got in there and that same obstetrician came in and immediately I just felt like closed up and she's trying to get me to get on the bed so she can do a check and like, the baby felt so low, I felt like I couldn't even climb up on the bed. Um, but she did did do a check and she was like, oh, you're only five centimetres. This is it's going to take forever, blah, blah. We've got to put a line in. So they took about 20 minutes to put a cannula in and I was screaming the whole time. And they're like, oh, come on. Oh, the contraction's that bad. And um, I had my sister there um, as my birth partner and she turned around and she goes, she hates needles. Don't you know that yet, you know? Mm. Um so they end up getting the line in and I remember just standing by the bed and just crying, saying, I just I want to go home. Um, and I had a student midwife in the room too and when all the midwives walked out, she turned around and said to me, you know you don't have to say yes to anything that they do to you. You know you can say no. 
it was just nice. I felt like I had someone there on my side. Yeah, so I just I ended up just standing there and I didn't want to move and I was leaning over the bed and all of a sudden my body just started pushing like a grunting sort of push and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm only five centimetres. Why am I doing this? Why? Yeah, they said it's still going to be ages and the midwives finally came back in and they're like, are you pushing? And I didn't say anything. My body was just doing it. It was almost like um, reverse vomiting, do you know what I mean? Like mm. I had zero control over what my body was doing. I since learned that that's quite common too. Um, yeah. Yeah, and in the end they're like, get on the bed, get on the bed, and I'm like, I'm not moving, not moving, not moving. And I just stood by the bed and I ended up getting into a runner's pose um, and birthed her standing next to the bed about 20 minutes after they told me I was only five centimetres. Wow, um, and and who caught her? Um, the midwife ended up being in there um, and she put, when she realised what I was doing, she put some like spongy matting down and she actually caught her. But then as soon as she came out, they cut the cord and they had me on the floor to deliver the placenta. And I'm like, I'd, you know, give me my baby back. They cut the cord and put her in the warmer and my husband was there looking at her and I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I'm going to have a hemorrhage if you don't give me my baby back. So I um, started playing with my nipples because I knew that that could help boost oxytocin as well. And I'm lucky I didn't have a postpartum hemorrhage. But that was the birth that I thought, no, nah, I don't want to use this much energy standing up for myself anymore and I thought if I'm ever going to have another one it's going to be at home yeah and this time Mick finally agreed (laughs) yeah what was what was that experience like for him has he shared much of that with you um he said he didn't like seeing how distressed I was at constantly having to you know um stand up for my own rights do you know what I mean like Mm you know, than not have not being induced. And he understood the reasons behind it. And like I tried to explain to him, like I said, I'm pretty sure she's a big baby and um, she's just waiting to get in the right position. If they induce me now, there's a good chance that she's not going to come out smoothly and it's going to end up, you know, in a C-section or, mm-hmm. you know, with a lot more assisted birth. And she was 10 pound eight and had a 40 centimetre head. Wow. Yeah. So they're just progressively getting bigger. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And with, with the size of the babies, were you tested at all for um, gestational diabetes during yep. the pregnancy? All of yeah. my hospital births and two of my home births I was tested. Yeah. And um, you're and clear. Yeah. Yep, clear. I just have big babies. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, with those births and their size, did you have any tearing or um, anything with any of those births? No tearing for any of them, no. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I had a few little grazes. I think Charlotte I had the worst graze and it's probably because I was on my back. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely it was all um, – I was ve- been very lucky with the size of them. Mm. Um, and what, what, what are the age gaps between um, those – the first three? Um, so Charlotte and Shelby, there's four years and eight months. Um, Charlotte and Emily, there is 21 months. So I felt pregnant about Charlotte's first birthday. Yeah, beautiful. With Emily. Lovely. And then, yeah, heading into your next pregnancy, was that yep. um, was that planned? And, uh, and... No, not, not planned, but <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was a nice surprise. So I fell pregnant when Emily was about seven months old. Yeah. Um, and did you find out the genders with anyone, with any yes, of them? Yes, I found out the gender with all of them. I'm really impatient. <laughs> yeah. And how did you feel to find out you were having a boy? Oh, so excited. I sort of, I had a feeling as soon as um, I found out I was pregnant, I just, I don't know, it just felt different. Mm. Um, and, I, yeah, I really had an inkling. And then they actually told me at 12 weeks I had a um, scan done and the sonographer goes, oh, I'm pretty sure I know what the sex is. Do you want to know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, can you tell me? And he's like, all right, I'll give you an 80, 80%. He goes, I'm pretty sure it's a boy. And I went home so excited to tell Michael and he's like, 80% still not 100%. <laughs> he didn't want to get his hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yes. So, go on. Yeah. So, did you already know before you fell pregnant with him that you were going to have a home birth for your next birth? Yes. I thought if, yeah, if I was to have another baby, it would be a home birth. So, as pretty much as soon as um, I got those two lines on the stick, I started researching home birth midwives. 
And you were still living in kind of um, Berwick Noble area? Yep. Oh, Noble yep. Park we were at that stage. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah lovely. I came across Joy Johnson. Um, she's a fantastic midwife. She had a beautiful, very grandma quality about her. And I instantly clicked with her. I must have sent probably about six or seven emails off to um, several people. And she was the first one to reply. And the first thing I thought was, oh, they're going to see had big babies, postpartum hemorrhage, no one's going to let me have a home birth. I was really, you know, so ingrained in the hospital, you're high risk now, you know. Um, and so I had a chat to her on the phone. I rattled off my birth history and she's like, yes, I can't, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't be a wonderful candidate for home birth. And I was over the moon. So I spent um, his pregnancy planning and we ended up getting a pool um, I decided I wanted my sister there again, um, and that was it. Oh, Mick, my sister. And did Joy? It was Joy, wasn't it? The midwife. Yep. Yeah. Did she practice with another midwife, or did she have like a second one that came to the birth? Or uh, that stage, no. I think the rules were probably slightly different back then, and she said that she felt confident to only have a single midwife there. Yeah. Um, which was really good, but my sister was a nurse as well and my sister was there, so I knew, you know, if she did need an extra capable set of hands, my sister would have been up to the task anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so MJ's birth, uh, MJ's pregnancy was a dream. It was so nice to go to Joy's house and get to debrief, you know, every time, and I felt like she really listened to me. It was so nice seeing the same midwife every time and not having to start again and explain myself to every person I saw and I loved she just had such a a calming influence and a real you know like people have been doing this for you know millions of years like you know your body's made to do this just you need to believe in yourself and believe that this baby knows you know what he's doing mm. so I got to 40 weeks and I was huge like people would stop me in the street looking at me like is that is are you having twins or like is that just one huge baby and his, the shape of the tummy was, was such really different to my girls. Like he was really out protruding and, like, my stomach got to where I went <laughs> five minutes before I did. It was kind of like really, um, I don't know, it's just, I'll, I'll send you a photo later. But, yeah, it was unreal, the shape of my stomach. And I yeah, I'd love thinking, to see that. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, He's going to be like John almost. How am I going to do this? And she was, she just said, I remember her saying as I hit 40 weeks, she was the best thing that in the, an expectant mother that doesn't want to go past their dates can do is walk. Um, and she goes, go for a walk every night without the kids, go for a proper walk with intention of moving this baby down and getting into position. So just before I hit 40 weeks, I started going for a walk every night. It was summer and stinking hot and I really didn't want to do it but um walking up and down my street and I was thinking down 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 every step I took like trying to encourage him to move into position um and I think four days after my due date I woke up one morning and I was having really niggly contractions but I knew with Emily like this could go on for weeks and weeks so it didn't really mean anything so Instead of focusing on, oh, I'm going to have a baby today, I said to Mick, let's take the kids out for dinner tonight. He goes, why? Why do you want to take the kids out for dinner if you're having contractions? I go, because this is going to be the last family dinner we're going to get with just girls. Mm. I was like, okay. And were you planning on having any of your children at the birth? I asked them every time and every time it was a no. They, they weren't keen to watch. Um, I still to this day, I ask them as it approaches the birth and um, most of them are, are not really keen to watch. This time my son said to me he wants to watch, so we'll see if that eventuates or not. But um, mm. I labour better without them there. Yeah. Um, I'm very much a, I like to go into my own little world and I don't even like Mick being near me Yeah. Um, okay. right until I'm ready to push. Yeah. Yeah, so you were having some early labour and how, did you get through the family dinner? Yeah, we went through the got through the family dinner, put all the kids to bed, woke up probably about 3am the next morning with 
really light niggly contractions and they were very irregular and only lasting 30 seconds but they were still coming very often like five minutes or less from the very start. And I remember timing them for about an hour and screenshotting and sending to one of my friends who was pregnant at the same time like what do you make of this and she goes I reckon you're in labour. I'm like they're only lasting like 40 seconds that's you know it's a bit something's not right here. Anyway so I laboured for the whole day, but it, like I said, it wasn't intense labour. Like it wasn't even, I was moving furniture around and, you know, like cleaning and cooking and listening to music. And I didn't even call Mick home from work. Um, he was due to finish at 12 o'clock, so I let him work. Um, he came home at 12 o'clock and he had to take his eldest daughter to a friend's house, which was about an hour away. I'm like, all right, well, uh, sorry, now they're in back trip and I might well, um, get on it because I have a feeling that, you know, I'm going to be calling the midwife soon. So I was at home alone until probably about um, quarter to one and I called the midwife and I said, look, I'm not sure if, um, if you should come or not. I said, I'm having like, I've had contractions all day and they're sort of, you know, gone from five minutes to three minutes apart, but they're not lasting very long. They're only like 40 seconds. And she's like, how about I just pack my stuff and I'll come over? And she goes, worst comes to worst, I'll just sit in the corner and do some crocheting. I'm like, all right, sounds like a plan. So Joy and my sister arrived about the same time, probably just after 1 o'clock, and she checked everything. Baby was happy, I was good, and she's like, yeah, she goes, you need to get out of your thinking brain and get into your, you know, your instinctual brain, she goes, because you're, it's you thinking too much that's making them really short contractions and pretty much as soon as she got there they switched over to real having to moan through contractions and Mick still wasn't there. Did you have, um, being at home home for the first time, did you have any other fears come up that didn't, that weren't there for your hospital births? Um, The biggest thing that I thought was I was worried if the baby needed to be resuscitated or anything like that because Charlotte did need um, CPAP when she was born. Um, she was a bit shocked because it took me a long time to push out. But Joy basically went through everything that might be a problem for me and showed me what she had in her toolkit to help that. And I was also reassured by the fact that the hospital was six minutes away. So worst comes to worst, like an ambulance would have been there pretty quick had I needed it. Um, but for the most part, I thought I felt safer at home and more cared for and, like, the outcome was going to be better than being in hospital with, say, Emily's birth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and did she, did Joy do any checks on you when she arrived or was it yep, just yep, hands-on? Yeah, so she listened um, with the stethoscope and that was it, um, baby's tones and, um, you know, just checked my pulse and everything like that. And basically she just watched and listened. Um, I think she suggested maybe going to the toilet at one stage because I was sort of a bit, you know, um, oh, no, maybe because oh, I said I felt uncomfortable and full. So I went and had a wee and I think that definitely helped as well because I might have had a full bladder. And she was probably there for 30 minutes before I hopped in the pool. And I remember saying to her, um, I'm worried if I hop in the pool, it's all going to stop. She goes, well, if it does, then we'll go home and come back again tomorrow. She's like, you know, don't worry about it. And so I hopped in the pool and... I remember getting in and saying, um, I don't know if I feel like a mermaid or a frog, and everyone just <laughs> packed up laughing. <laughs> it was really a funny feeling of being weightless, and I sort of didn't like it. Like I felt out of control, um, but it was lovely for the pain. And because, you know, I'm a bigger lady, it was nice to have the weight taken off my joints and my legs, and I felt like I could really get in a good position. And almost as soon as I got in the water, um, I started feeling like I needed to push and she's like I'm like I need to push and she's like well, well push and I'm like but you haven't told me I can she goes I'm not here to tell you what to do if that's what your body's telling you to do then do it and it felt almost like I was being naughty because in hospital they always sort of say well now you can push you know like um, and sorry to interrupt yeah. had your had your husband already arrived uh, back yeah then? he got back probably just as I was hopping into the pool 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, sorry, you go on. Yeah, he's pretty good at missing the... (laughs) (laughs) Getting there right at the right time because he did it with Emily too. He was getting my bag from the car and when he got back, I was pushing. Oh, no, he just comes back for the exciting part. (laughs) Yeah, just for the the business bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I... um, I was on, I think I was on all fours and I was sitting in the pool and I, I said to her, um, I can feel him moving down but I don't, it feels like he's not making as much progress as I would expect when I'm pushing. She goes, we'll try another position. So um, I had a pool with um, steel sides. It was really nice, like a tarped one with steel sides, not a blow-up kind of one. And so I ended up getting in a deep squat and holding on to the edge of the sides of the pool and that was it. As soon as I did that, my waters went um, and I could almost, the next push I could feel his head. And so he felt like I wasn't pushing for very long at all and next thing I know, um, yeah, he was crowning it out and one more push and he was in the water and it was all really surreal. And Mm. so I brought him up to the surface and he didn't cry straight away, he was just sort of, looking at me and she told me to push him out from arm's length and pull him back in because he probably hasn't realised that he's born yet. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, he sort of did the startle reflex and he started crying and, oh, mm. just that feeling. It was so funny. And I remember looking down and going, oh, my God, he is a boy. Like I hadn't believed that that um I was going to have a boy. Yeah. And so I sort of gathered my strength a little bit then they helped me out and I, birth of the centre sitting out next to the pool but the rest of it was just awesome like she just protected my little bubble no one touched the baby I just I got to drink him all in and try and feed him and you know just snuggle up with him and she explained to me that that's really important for protecting for a postpartum hemorrhage and that really um, stayed with me for my future births so no one had hands on him until after um, the placenta was delivered and after the cord was cut and I was ready to go and have a shower and something to eat. And it was just, it was out of this world. It was just, it felt so quick and so stress-free. And so, and after Mick saw that, he goes, um, we're never having a hospital birth again. He goes, I understand now. I finally understand what you mean. He goes, that was like nothing I've ever seen. He goes, it was almost like nothing happened here. <laughs> Especially when you weren't there for a lot of the yeah, labor. <laughs> that's it. But do you know what I mean? Just the actual business end. He goes, you know, there was yeah. no stress, and you know, yeah. I was happy and supported. And and I remember him going out because it was like um two o'clock in the Saturday afternoon. I remember him going out and yelling in the driveway, "I had a son!" <laughs> to everyone in the street. Were his are his oldest two? Are they girls or boys? Yeah, they're girls as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, that must be exciting yeah. for him. So that would be his sixth sixth um, baby. Um, yep. So our, yeah. my fourth. Uh, no, his fifth. Because oh, Shelby's, Shelby's from another. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he must have been so excited after four girls to get a boy. Yeah, he certainly was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, beautiful. What was your postnatal care like with your uh, midwife? Um, so she was really, really great. I had He was... Uh, MJ was 10 pound 11. Um, I had a lot of trouble feeding him. Um, he took a long time to get back to birth weight, but I felt very supported and, you know, she was teaching me different ways of expressing and um, ways of uh, finger feeding so he didn't get nipple confusion. I probably should have mentioned that with Emily, um, same thing happened, but I was on so much pressure to introduce express milk in a bottle that she ended up um, not going back to breastfeeding. So I only breastfed her for a month and I was really, really wary about this happening again uh, with MJ. So she taught me, you know, there are other ways of feeding a baby. If you need to top them up, then giving a bottle, taught me how to syringe feed and finger feed him. And we ended up getting back to birth weight, I think, about five weeks. Um, since I found out he's probably got an undiagnosed tongue tie, as the rest of my babies ended up with, but um, I still felt very supported, and we went on to breastfeed for four years. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So, what's the age gap between him and your next baby then? Uh, so him and my next baby, I fell pregnant um, with Poppy when MJ was one, so it was twenty months. Okay, so and so you were tandem feeding with yes. those two then? Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. So, how was that pregnancy with Poppy? Um. 
Poppy's pregnancy was pretty uneventful. Um, I ended up not being able to hire Joy because she'd since retired. Um, so I found a midwife that Joy actually mentored, mentored for a while, Martina Gorner. Yeah. And she was amazing. She was very woman-centred and very much, you know, you you know what you're doing. I don't need to tell you anything. Like you've done this four times before. Um, the only sort of hiccup I had with Poppy's birth is she was a breach, so I ended up having an ECV at 37 weeks. And was um, that successful? It was successful, but I was so petrified I was going to go into labour and they wouldn't let me home from the hospital. Mm. Um, it was sort of a bit stressful, but I ended up going on to having her just after 40 weeks. Um, yeah. Hers was very much a stop and start labour as well. I ended up calling my whole team in for five hours of contractions that ended up petering out to nothing. Um, mm. That was really, I felt um, almost taking me back to sort of Emily's birth, like I felt like um, my judgement wasn't right or, you know, I, like I wasn't trusting my instincts or I don't know. But anyway, it was it was okay in the end. I ended up sending everyone home and um, I slept as best as I could. I remember sleeping rolled up in a ball like on my stomach with my head on birth ball because I still had these whopping contractions just sort of 30 minutes apart. Hmm. Um, and just going back into the pregnancy just a little bit, um, was your care with Martina um, your antenatal care, was that much the same? And yes. did she come to your house for appointments? Um, at the start, I went to her, but yeah, towards the end, she came to my house and it was great. And she um, was really supportive of still breastfeeding MJ. And yeah, um, and she was, um, and she was still, pra and she was practicing on her own as well at that time. Um, no, I ended up having Belinda Henkel as a backup midwife, but she came. For the first time that I called for Poppy's birth, but in the end she missed the second time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so Martina and Ellie missed it too. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, you were trying to sleep and having those 30-minute apart contractions. How did yep. things progress from there? So at about 9 a.m. Oh, I probably should have mentioned during that five hours I still had MJ there when I was trying to labour and I expected him to sort of sleep through it, but no, he very much wanted mum and I think that was probably a lot of the reason why um, things ended up petering out because I was struggling trying to find the balance to go within and, you know, let the labour progress and still parent MJ. Um, so we ended up getting through the night and then at 9 o'clock um, Mick took him to my mum's house and I remember just sort of tottering around the house and having breakfast and stuff and then probably around lunchtime I went for a walk and things really picked up from when I went for a walk. It was all sort of a blur, I think, because I didn't have much sleep the night before. It was really hard to gauge time. But it got to a point I remember being in the bath and Mick goes, you're making those noises. And I'm like, what noises? He goes, the cow dog noises. So I must <laughs> make a noise when I'm getting close to transition that he can now recognise me as I'm calling the midwife. I'm like, no, don't call everyone back because what if it just sucks again? He goes, you listen to me. I'm calling the midwife. It's okay. So... I remember being in the bath and getting to the stage like I just couldn't get comfortable and rolling around in the bath and I remember getting out of the bath and him helping me get dry and put an ID on and next thing I know I'm in the bedroom on all fours and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm pushing. He's like, oh, can you not? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't not. Like it's she's coming. I can't stop it. He's like, okay, okay. And I remember him kept running back from the bedroom and running out to the driveway waiting for Martina to get there. Were you planning another water birth with, with uh, No, I didn't. I, I felt with MJ, like I said, in the end after I evaluated it, I didn't feel the water gave me as much benefit like birthing in it as I thought it would. I felt much better on ground, like on solid ground. Yeah. I love water for means of pain relief. I spend a lot of my labour usually in the bathroom in the shower, but when it comes time to the pushing stage, I feel like I need to be um, on the ground. Mm. And so, I guess if you're having quick births, that's good to have one less thing to try and get set yeah, up. Yeah, well, that's ready. it. That's it. <laughs> um, so I ended up, I was in the bedroom on all fours in the bed and, yeah, I remember putting my hand between my legs and I could feel her head and I'm like, well, 
yeah, she's coming now. I've always been told if they come quick, then, you know, usually there's not going to be any issues. If they want to come, they're going to come on their own kind of thing. And I remember putting my hand there and giving one more push and feeling her crowning. And just then I heard Martina's birth, uh, Martina's voice, um, just breathe, just breathe. You're going to tear otherwise. And I felt like turning around saying, I got this far without you. Like, you know, just shush. <laughs> but um, she was there pretty much just as she crowned and I she, I pretty much, you know, birthed her straight out. And I think I had Martina help me pass her through because by that stage my legs were like jelly. And, yeah, just lay back and snuggled her. And I remember thinking, oh, she's, she's not that big. I think I've had a little baby. Um, but she was just on 10 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. With the thickest, fattest cord you've ever seen. I remember looking at it going, wow. It's <laughs> amazing. Mm. And, and yeah, was that a similar kind of postpartum time with her? No hemorrhaging or anything like that. Um, it was all uh, pretty straightforward. I cuddled her until I birthed the placenta and Martina stayed around for a while and we ate and laughed and recapped on the birth and well, the kids came back and MJ pretty much wanted to feed straight away, so I had to very quickly manage how we're going to work tandem feeding. What um, was that? What was that journey like? And oh, it was difficult. Night times were horrible because MJ was a really clingy boy, and I taught him that he could only feed after the baby's fed. I usually fed her on both sides, and then would let him feed but when I was just feeding them to sleep they had a side each so usually I'd get Poppy to sleep first and then I'd roll her on top of me and cuddle her while I lay down and fed him from the other side. Um, wow. It's kind of a blur. She ended up having a um, posterior tongue tie, top and upper lip tie and um, buccal ties as well. And that was a whole other story of trying to fight for my rights to get them released and find the right people and the right information. But I ended up seeing a wonderful osteo um, who helped me diagnose and got me um, onto Dr. Hand in, I think, in Essendon or somewhere. Um, and he released the tyres and she went great guns after her tyres were released and stacked on weight and was a real little trooper. But mm. very similar start to MJ's start where she took a long time to gain weight, I think up to five weeks to reach back to her birth weight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I might, sorry to rush you along, but we've got one more birth to fit in. Were you still, so you still hadn't moved out until to where you are now for the No, no, no we're birth. still living in Berwick. Yeah, beautiful. And um, did you have, choose Martina again for your next pregnancy? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. And um, yeah, how was so how that? At that stage, pregnancy? I was tandem feeding when I fell pregnant with Alex, still feeding both of them. Um, and we all joked about how I'm going to feed three because I've only got two boobs. <laughs> how, um, how old were MJ and Poppy when you fell pregnant? So MJ was, Poppy was one and MJ would have been almost three. Okay. So does that mean you did feed three for a little while? Yes, I did. I fed three Oh, my six goodness. <laughs> oh, wow, beautiful. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But, yeah, so how was um, the next pregnancy and birth? Was it another so, girl or? A boy. Hopefully, yeah. So Alex's birth um, was probably more difficult than the others. Uh, sorry, his pregnancy was more difficult than the others in that I had five small children to chase around and I was exhausted. Like with only sort of um, a year gap between pregnancies, the last five pregnancies, like my body was getting pretty over it. Um, but I managed. I had lots of help from my mum. Like she'd come and help me do some housework on the weekends and, um, lots of people everywhere were really good and really supportive. Anyway, I got to 40 weeks. So I was nowhere near. I, I knew he was nowhere near ready to be born and I was so over it. And the last probably two weeks I had lots of nights where stop, start, labour. And, you know, I, at that stage I learned to sort of try and ignore contractions until I couldn't ignore them anymore because I was so sick of this guessing game, you know, is it really labour, is it just Braxton Hicks or is it somewhere in between, you know. Um, and I remember after one particular night where I had these for about 12 hours and I was exhausted, I rang Martina, I'm like, look, this baby's never going to come. And this is like 
two weeks after my due date. And she goes, you need to make space for him. I'm like, well, how do you suggest I do that when I've got five children? She goes, ring your mum and tell her you're in labour. <laughs> tell her to have all the kids, pick them up from school or whatever and have the kids for a night. And she goes, just have a night for you and the baby and Nick. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I managed to get my mum. I think that was a, might have been a Thursday night to pick the kids up from school. Um, and kinder and wherever else they were and I managed to get all of the kids out of the house and I remember my wonderful friend um, from Queensland ended up ordering me curry and having it sent to my house through menu log <laughs> um, and I remember just thinking to me we're just going to enjoy tonight I'm not even going to think about the baby we're going to go for a walk and have our nice curry that we don't have to cook and watch a movie and so I had our dinner about five o'clock and we went, we lived um, really close to a park, so we went for a nice walk around the park. Mick came for the first walk and then I said I wanted to go again, so he stayed home and I went for another walk. And I remember during the time there was a lady playing with a little boy and his name was Alexander, and I, that's what the name that I picked for this baby. Mick hadn't agreed on it yet, but I was pretty sure that this that's what this baby was going to be called, and I thought that's a sign. So... While I was on that walk, I was getting some really light niggly contractions and I thought, oh, it's nothing yet anyway. So I went and had a bath and relaxed and I said to Mick, I'm going to go to bed really early. So I remember going to bed at like 7.38 o'clock and Mick had set up a mattress on the floor in the lounge room so I could relax and watch TV. And I remember going to sleep really, really early and I got woken up about... Midnight with some contractions, but they were just more like sort of period pain. They weren't really, really, really strong. So I got up and said to him, oh, can I have a bath and have a bit of a relax? And I don't know how long that went on for, but it got to about 2 o'clock and I said to him, look, I'm really tired. I'm going to just try and sleep because you've said it's really labour. I won't be able to sleep through them. So I went back to sleep. I remember waking up at about 3.30 with a, with a big one thinking, oh, that." That's intense. And I got up to go to the toilet and woke me up. And walking from the lounge room to the toilet, I had two more contractions and I started vocalising through them. And he's like, I'm calling the midwife. I'm like, what are you going to tell her? I've had two contractions. <laughs> and he's like, no, just let me call her. I'm like, no, not yet. So I went to the toilet and I had another one while sitting on the toilet. Got off the toilet, had another one. And, like, I was really vocalising through them. And he's like, please, please, just let me call the midwife. So he called her, I think, at 3.30 and she said she'd head over at 4 o'clock. I have no idea what time she arrived because I just sort of withdrew to my room and um, put my oils and my music on and just tried to relax. Anyway, I got to – I had a second midwife too this time. Um, I don't know what time she got there because I only vaguely remember seeing her after he was born. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I just sort of laboured on my own and then I remember about, about 6 o'clock I said to her, look, I'm, I'm feeling really pushy but when I do it, nothing feels, like it doesn't feel like he's moving down, it doesn't feel like anything's happening. And I said, you need to break my waters and she laughed at me. <laughs> she goes, I'm not breaking your waters. She goes, you want to go to hospital? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, just, you know, she goes, give yourself some time. And I remember... Um, getting on my bed and curling up over the football and having a big sulk and a cry and no one's listening to me and it's not working and nothing's happening and I can't do it. And then all of a sudden I got this almighty urge to push. Um, and I remember pushing for a little while, still felt like he wasn't really going anywhere, so getting into runner's pose. And finally I could feel his head, the crinkly feel of his head there. And so Martina and the other midwife came in while I was pushing him. I felt like I was giving all my might and he wasn't really moving anywhere. And um, finally, once his head was out, Martina said, um, the reason why he's so hard is he's got a nuchal hand. So his hand was right up on his chin. So I was trying to birth his hand and his head at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So once Martina could see his hand, she touched his hand and he actually birthed his hand himself. He pushed it oh. out so he came out like Superman. <laughs> um, and once he did that, he was a lot easier to sort of manoeuvre out. 
Um, by this stage, I've been pushing for a little while, so it was probably a little, um, a little less lively than my other two home births had been by the time he came out. But I just picked him up and I put him on my chest and rubbed him with a towel. And um, the whole while, Martina was counting his pulse through the cord. Um, and she's like, "No, it's okay, it's okay." And then um, he started coming to a bit better and big cry and. It was like a massive sign of relief. When I watch the birth now, I'm like, I don't know how I stayed so calm. Because, um, yeah, it was sort of really, if, if that was a hospital birth, it would have been quick hit the buzzers, a million people in the room, you know what I mean? Mm. Let's get this baby out kind of thing. But it was really nice to have them there just giving me space but at the same time making sure everything was okay. Yeah. And once he'd, yeah, once he'd livened up a little bit, did yeah, you just feed him straight away? Yeah, fed him straight away. And um, I think the placenta, birth the placenta about half an hour later and, um, you know, snuggled him for a while, cut the cord, and then I went to have a shower and she's like, so are we going to weigh him? I'm like, yeah, okay. And she's like, oh, what do you think he is? I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe five you know 4.9 kilo or something I go I don't think he's bigger than MJ he doesn't look bigger than MJ so she finally weighed him and he was 5.06 kilo which was 11 pound three ounces oh my goodness wow so that's why he was so and hard with the nuchal hand as well yes that's it and so I kind of felt like superwoman at that point like if I could do that I can do anything yeah amazing <laughs> and all your family arrived back pretty quickly yeah, yeah the kids all usually come back within the first or probably just just before the midwife leaves usually so a couple of hours I only really get to relax and then it's sort of back to being a mum yeah yeah and you mentioned I think you mentioned in there when you go back and watch your birth did were some of your births filmed um Alex's was yeah, um, I think uh, Poppy's was as well, but my I did have a photographer for Poppy's birth, but she only just came in just as I was pushing the same thing because sent everyone home. Um, but uh, Martina yeah. filmed Alex's birth for me. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, amazing. How is it to look back and watch it? Um, I can, I feel, still feel the feelings of like him feeling like I wasn't doing anything or like he wasn't really moving and. When I watch it, it's like it makes me hold my breath almost like, like I can't can't believe I did that or I got him out, you know. Mm, yeah. We'll probably have to finish up fairly quickly, but you're pregnant again, I just heard. Yes, I am. 13 weeks today. And how has it been finding a midwife being in the rural area that you're in um, now? It's nearly impossible. <laughs> There's not a lot of options out here my best bet is to find a traveling midwife or someone who's happy to come and stay up this way for a little while or maybe hire an um, airbnb in melbourne but i don't know like with all this um covid19 stuff and that it's making everything a little bit tricky but you know being in the hospital is definitely not where i want to be and have you had like any any care so far through a gp or something like that or um, yeah i have i've had um i just had an ultrasound yesterday so i had a 12 week um, the Newcomfold scan and that just through our local GP and they've referred me to the shared care GP who works through the hospital which I'll probably just keep seeing them and I guess if I don't end up finding a home birth midwife I'll stay at home as long as possible. <laughs> yeah oh fantastic we'll have to um, we'll have to get you back on for that last birth yeah, at some great. stage. Yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful well thank you so much for sharing your story it was yeah amazing amazing to hear about all those births and yeah I'm sure there's so many people are going to um, get a lot out of listening to that episode especially around big babies and there's some specific things in there which you know often, often people yeah. get ruled out of for having a home birth so yeah amazing thank you no worries thank you very much for inviting me I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Alicia. I feel like I came away from the interview with more questions than I went in with. So um, I've had a chat to Alicia and we've decided to open up an opportunity on Instagram for listeners to ask any questions they have about her births or what life is like in a big family. So yeah, head over there um, and just 
I think I'll post it in my stories. So just um, check in my stories for hours or so and let me know if you have any questions that you'd like me to pass on and I'll get those answers back to you as soon as I can. Again, thank you for tuning in. If you have time to scroll down on your app and leave a star rating or a few um, quick words in the review section about what you're enjoying, that would be amazing. Um, Otherwise, any support over on my social media is really fantastic, helps get the word out. And stay tuned for another episode next week. Thank you.